Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Praise the Lord. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, the Bible says, And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I want to talk to you from a sermon this morning titled, It's Time to Get Better. Are you ready? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for each person who's come out today. God, I pray for our children's church workers, our nursery workers, God, that you would use them today to encourage and to, to love on your children, God, and to speak the truth to them. Father, as we look at your word today, I pray that you'd anoint me, God, to say the things that will become sound doctrine, God. Teach us what you would have us to know. God, I pray for each person who's come in. God, we have different hurts we have different successes. We have different tragedies, Lord. We have different experiences. Father, I pray that we would set all that aside right now and receive from you what you have for us. God, open our ears so that we can hear from you today is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. It's time to get better. I've been saying it since we started almost 16 years ago because it's always been my habit to read the scripture, give you the title of the sermon, and then pray. I've been saying for years, one day, I'm just going to read the scripture, give the title of the sermon, and everybody's just going to flood to the altar, give God praise, get right with God, and that's going to be how church goes. But we're not there yet, so I'm going to have to teach. Amen? Uh, but from the scripture that I read and the title of the sermon you ought to have hope. Say hope. hope. You ought to have hope that you can get better. Not one person even grunted. You should have hope that you, oh, I know why y'all didn't, y'all don't need to get better. Perfect already. I got you. Church, see that's what's wrong with church people. They, they think they got it all together. They, they think that they're holy. They, they go around acting like they figured something out. That's why Unchurched people don't want to come to church because they know you. (laughs) Amen. They know me. They know we're jacked up. They know we got issues. And if we walk around acting like we don't need to get better, what does that say? Let me tell you what it says. Them church people are crazy because they got just as many struggles as we do is what the world's thinking, but they act so wonderful. They act so together. Listen. We are not together. Amen? Amen. Jesus is together. 
But there's only one perfect person in the world, and that's Jesus. We are all a work in progress, and we all need to get better. But I want you to get this in your mind today. It's time. It's time. What did that raccoon, uh, what chimpanzee, what, what did that animal, whatever that animal was, that stick in Lion King, what, what did he tell Simba? It is time. Y'all don't remember that? He hit that monkey. He hit that lion on the head. And he, well, Simba's rolling around with, what, what was that animal that farted all the time? Who? Pumba. He ain't meant to roll around with Pumba. Smelling poo-poo all day long. That scheming little weasel, he's not meant to, what was that weasel's name? Timon, he's not meant for that. I, I, I've heard it said it's hard to soar with the eagles when you're wasting time hanging out with turkeys. This is the problem with most church people. God wants you to fly, but we're living down here substandard. Listen, whatever that monkey had in mind for Simba, Simba had a purpose and a mission and a reason for being alive, and so do we. And I tell you the same thing that monkey said, it is time. It is time for each person who names the name of Christ to start praying, start reading your word, get into the life that God has for you. In the text that we just read, Jesus heals a man who's a man's son who the disciples had tried to heal but couldn't. Listen, there's a lot of different ways that preachers have gone at this passage, and most of them wrong. There's, uh, there's a lot of different ways that people have taught this and mostly out of context. But if you don't get anything out of today's message, I want you to get this. Jesus can do what others can't do. Do you get that? Don't, don't, don't look for uh, something behind every rock. There's not something behind every rock. But one thing we can be sure of, Jesus can do stuff that no one else can do. But sometimes we need to see why others couldn't do what Jesus could do. And Jesus has healed this man's son. The disciples had tried to heal him, but they couldn't. And, and I, I believe that they, they were... Confused, the scripture says, they didn't understand why they couldn't. They had prayed for this, this healing, and it didn't happen. And I believe if we'd be honest today, we're in a similar situation ourselves. We prayed for stuff that hasn't happened. Oh, not you, all your prayers came true already? You, you, you just ought to go on to heaven. Just, just walk outside, jump straight up in the air, and fly all the way to God. Listen, we've all prayed for stuff that hasn't come true yet. Yet is the important word. We need to believe that God is alive, that God hears our prayer. We need to believe that God has a purpose and a plan for us. But it hasn't all come together yet. And these disciples couldn't understand why they weren't able to do something that Jesus was so easily able to do. They prayed, but things didn't get better. They asked God to heal this, this man, but it, things didn't get better. They were... Believing for something, but it wasn't happening. You ought to have something that you're believing for that hasn't happened yet. If I started with Deacon Henry went all the way around the room, I came to you and put the microphone in your face and said, what are you believing God for right now? 
What miraculous thing are you believing God for that hasn't happened yet, whether it's the ability to start doing something that you're not doing or stop doing something that you are doing or seeing God do something in someone else's life? You ought to have a miracle that you're believing God for. That's faith. That's what true faith is. But these people are saying, you know, why were you able to do this and we Weren't. Let's, let's get into it in verse 18. The scripture says, Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Now, you got to be careful whose food you eat. You understand that? You just can't eat off every table. Some places just aren't worth eating. You know, sometimes you, you just got to look at them and say, no thanks, I'm already full. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you, you just got to say, I, 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 I ate before I came. Because some people's food is not worth eating in the natural. And most of what is being preached and taught on television is not worth eating in the spiritual. Because most of that is designed just to get our money. If you don't believe me, watch a 30-minute TV show with some preacher spent 29 minutes begging for money so he can stay on air to beg for money to stay on air and beg for I don't understand it. Uh, every time I watch, it's like, if, if you don't send $29 today, we, we are going, oh, we're going off the air. How is that be simple? Going off the air, you don't have to come on a beg tomorrow. But most of that teaching is designed to get money. I want us to have sound theology at Abundant Life. I want us to let the Bible say what it says, not try to get it to say what we want it to say. A lot of people have taken this verse and used it to say that all sickness comes from the devil, that all sickness has a demon behind it. I can show you other verses where the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? And, and Jesus said, nobody. This is about the purpose of God being fulfilled. So don't, don't get caught up on this, this demon and this sickness. But where it says Jesus rebuked the demon, let's just try to think. Let's pretend we're in Wednesday night Bible study. If Jesus rebuked the demon, there must be a what? Okay. Are demons real? Is the devil real? Church survey recently showed that over 54% of people who go to church every Sunday do not believe that the devil is real. Don't be in that 54%. How do you believe in a God but you don't believe in a devil? How do you believe in a heaven but don't believe in a hell? That's what cracks me up when I see people on social media that don't believe in God don't believe in Jesus, don't live nothing for Christ, but let one of their friends die, and they're like, she's gone to a better place. (laughs) Oh, you believe in God now? You believe in God's heaven, or you just want to believe that everybody goes to a better place? Listen, demons are real. I don't spend a lot of time focusing on that, though. People are like, well, Pastor, you need to get involved in spiritual war. You're in spiritual warfare whether you choose to talk about it or not. You're in the midst of it all the time. But I'd rather focus on God and the goodness of God than chasing a demon behind every shadow. Amen? But Jesus rebuked this demon. demon came out of this child, and the child was cured from that very hour. How cool would that be every time your child has a runny nose? That if that stuff worked, and I listen, I got a lot of deeply crazy pastor friends, amen, way worse than me. 
Every time somebody has a little runny nose, uh, loose here, devil, I bind at it, and just go into all this speech vernacular as, as if they got magic in their pocket, and now your child's nose ain't going to run no more. Listen, sometimes the nose just got to run. Sometimes you just got to sneeze. Sometimes, you know, you just got to take the day off and stay home and cough till you feel better. But in this day and age, with the absence of hospitals, with the absence of a lot of doctors, Jesus cures this child who is being oppressed in his health by a demon. All right? That's not the moral of the story. Don't get hung up right there. Keep reading. In verse 19, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, good thing Jesus is humble uh, because, you know, if Jesus wasn't humble, if he was like, you know, average American in 2017, he'd have said something like, because you ain't me. You ain't got that swag. You, ain't, you, you can't do what I do. They said, "Why? Well, how can you do that? But we couldn't do it. Listen. God, I do not believe that anyone in this room has been called by God to run around chasing demons, casting devils out. There, there is so little information in the Bible about that, but so many people get caught up doing it. There's a ton of information in the Bible that says we should be humble, holy, follow God, and live a righteous life. But people want to get caught up in, in these minor things. They want to major on the minors and minor on the majors, and they want to know, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus had specifically instructed and empowered these people to go cast out devils. He, this was their mission at that time. He had specifically empowered and instructed them to go and to heal the sick and to cast out devils because there was a lot of need in that time. He told them to do it. He gave them power to do it. But it wasn't working. What am I saying? There are going to be times in your life as a Christian when you know that you're trying to do the right thing. You're trying to do what God told you to do, but it's just not working out. Anybody ever been there? The rest of y'all keep living and get an honest pill. And take that in the morning with some coffee. Listen, <laughs> sweet tea, Dr. Pepper, it don't matter. You are going to have times in your life when you are doing what God called you to do. But you don't see it working out. And you need to figure out why he called them to do this. He empowered them to do this. He told them how to do it. Yet in this particular case, even though they had done it before, they were in the midst of doing this. This is what they had been doing. But this particular case was hard. Say hard. There will be times in life where some cases are just hard. Yet you ever been around that person that's just difficult? Well, if you haven't, then that's you. Let's just be real. If you haven't been around that hard-to-be-around person, watch how people look when you walk in the room. It's you. But for the rest of us, we realize, I want to love everybody. I want to minister to everybody. I want to be a blessing to everybody. But some people just make it rough. And so the disciples are like, this don't make any sense to us. We're out here casting out devils. We're out here raising the dead, healing the sick. 
But this kid was an altogether difficult case, and they wanted to know why couldn't we do it. They, listen, they came to Jesus privately. I love how specific the Bible is. The, you, you need to fall in love with the Bible. It's the greatest book in the world, and it's so specific. And it'll make you laugh if you read it enough. It'll, it'll make you see things that you didn't see the first time you read it. Notice they didn't ask this in front of a bunch of people. You know, when, when you might be about to get embarrassed, you, you don't ask the teacher that dumb question in front of the whole class. You kind of linger at the end of the class and, oh, by the way, this was one of them, oh, by the way, off to the side. Hey, Jesus, what's up? You, we, we've been doing this, but how, how come it didn't work out right now? And they were smart to ask on the side because verse 20, the Bible says, So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, semicolon, pause on the punctuation, learn to read the Bible in bite-sized pieces where you can take it in, digest it, and get something out of it. They asked, and he told them, if you're willing to ask somebody who's honest, you need to be willing to get the truth. You ever have somebody ask you something, you tell them what's up, and they're like, no, nah, that ain't it. <laughs> That's why I don't like talking to you. You ask. We don't have to, we don't have to go far. We don't have to go deep. We, we can take the most simple, mocked at, laughed at, funny, joked about thing in the world. Do these pants make my butt look big? We going for honesty here? Or uh, we, we, we going to make you feel good? Listen, here's honest. Here, you can always be honest with this. No, they don't. You don't have to follow up by saying your butt was big without them pants. Pants ain't making nothing go on. That is what it is without pants, dress, bathing suit, shorts, pajamas, naked. It, it is what it is. You don't have to say everything you know. Listen, here's a lesson on the free, not even about the end of notes. The Bible says a prudent person conceals knowledge, but a fool tells everything. You don't have to tell people everything you know. These pants make my butt look big? No. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, your butt just huge all by itself. Mix in a salad. Walk around the block. People don't always want to hear the truth. And this was probably a hard truth to hear. He said, they said, why couldn't we do this? Now, remember, it's something that they had been doing. It's something they felt capable to do. It's something he had instructed them and empowered them to do. But now, all of a sudden, it's not working. So they're like, why isn't this working? He said, because of your unbelief. People don't like that. People do not like to hear it's your fault. We want to know what's going on. Why isn't this working for me? But we don't want God to say, because you jacked up. Because you're deficient. Because something about you is not satisfactory. But Jesus tells them, because of your unbelief, Semicolon. That's the pause on that. Swallow it out deep and, and, and realize that's the problem. Unbelief. Do you know what kept the children of God from, being, from not being able to enter the promised land in the Old Testament? It wasn't their sin of idolatry. It wasn't their, their, their sin of witchcraft. It wasn't their sin of fornication. It wasn't their sin of immorality. It was unbelief that kept them out. 
you really want to see your life catapult from one level to a better level, stop being so unbelieving. Just start believing more. See, you got to get this. There's going to be so much in life you can't figure out. You need to learn when you can't figure it out, you need to faith it out. You need to learn how to stop trying to understand everything and just start accepting things. Because if you try to figure everything out, listen, here's what's going to happen. You're going to figure it out, and then you're going to be proud that you figured it out. But guess what? You're probably going to have it wrong. Where you should have just figured it out. I I, I was so blessed. Jake said something the other day, and initially it sounded like he was just trying to give a quick answer. I asked him a question about theology. He said, Dad, I don't have to understand it all to believe it. And I thought, well, you're just not trying to understand it. But then I thought, no, that's how we need to be, childlike faith. A kid doesn't need everything explained to them. Jesus told them, here's what your problem is. Not that you're not praying right, not that you're not doing right, but you're not believing right. I want you to know, almost everything about your walk with Christ is based on belief. We're made righteous by belief. We're blessed by belief. We walk forward by belief. And Jesus said, the reason why you can't do what I've called you to do. They're not playing with devils out here. They're not not just trying this off for the side. This is what he had called and commissioned them to do. He said, the reason you can't do what I put you on this earth to do, not everybody, them specifically, is because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Well, I got that Lion King movie stuck in my head this morning for some reason. What, what, what was that rat's name? Timba? Timon. What Timon's mom say in, in, in Lion King two and a half? Timon's out there chasing what? Metaphors. Timon didn't speak metaphors. Some stuff is not literal. Some stuff is metaphorical. When it says, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll be moved, it's not saying, speak to your mountain and it'll move. It's not saying all that. Nowhere in the Bible did Jesus ever walk up to a mountain and say, hey, mountain, get up and jump up over there. It's not literal. Say it's not. It's not literal. People look at this stuff and try to make it something that it's not. You're not called by God to be a mountain mover and a world shaker. You're called by God to humbly walk with the Lord. You're called by God to believe by faith and obey God. Jesus is not saying go speak to a mountain and it'll move. He's saying that the last part, nothing is impossible for you. If your faith is right, it's not about moving mountains. It's not about having faith to move mountains. It's about believing what God says. And I want to tell you something. We all need more faith. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you're saved, you want to please God. Whether whether you're strongly desiring that this week or whether it's a bad week for you, whether you're sliding toward God or sliding away from God, if you're a Christian, you desire to please God. But the Word says you can't do it without faith. These people had given their life to follow Christ. These were his closest followers. They were out there doing their thing. They come up on a hard case. They can't get it done, and they don't understand why. And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. The Bible tells us we have these stories for our example so we can learn from them. You know why sometimes you can't get done 
What you wish you could get done? Anybody want to take a guess? Because of your what? Unbelief. Because of your unbelief. You know, most of you know, if you've been saved more than 10 minutes, you know a lot of things about what you should be doing for God. God said, stop doing some stuff. You're still doing it. Why? Because you don't believe God's going to chastise you. Because you don't believe God is going to punish you. God, God said, stop doing some stuff. You're still doing it. That's an unbelief in and of itself. God said to start doing some things, and some of you are not doing what God told you to start. Why? Because you don't really believe God's serious when he said, do this and I'll bless you. Don't do this and I'll chastise you. We need to make sure that our belief is in the right place. They couldn't do what it was that they wanted to do and what God had called them to do because of their unbelief. Here's, here's, here's my thing. I believe that every Christian in the room has a purpose for being alive. You're not still on this planet just for no reason. If God was done with you, you'd be gone. You're still here for a reason. You have a purpose in life, but to accomplish that purpose, you're going to have to believe God more. You're going to have to believe that God is serious, and you're going to have to get on with the getting on. It's time to get better. It's time to get healthy spiritually. It's time to get involved with what God has called us. It's, it's not mountains cast into the sea that I long to see God do. It, it, well, there's not there's no mountains in Florida. Let's just be real about that. There's, there's a few hills in Ocala, right? No mountains. But I, I don't desire to see mountains cast into the sea, but I do desire to see lost people get saved. Anybody else? I, I don't need to see mountains. Oh, Pastor Scott, but how awesome would it be if, if we could see somebody so filled with faith that they just spoke to a mountain and it just picked up and hurled itself? That wouldn't move me. I'm not moved by that kind of stuff. I had a man call to church one time and say, God told me I need to come preach for you. I said, really? Well, tell God to tell me that and get back with me. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm anointed. I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, no, I'm anointed to do miracles. This man told me, when I preach, all my teeth glow gold, and gold dust falls from the ceiling, and I literally levitate across the stage. It's going to change the life of your church. I said, I don't need witchcraft and tricks and, 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 and foolishness uh, for people's lives to be changed. I need truth and honesty in Christ. It, see, that type of stuff, that don't, that don't float my boat. What floats my boat, last week we saw over 30 people get saved in this church. That, that's what real miracle power is about. That, that, that's what it's all about, honestly, is to see people come to a life-changing decision for Christ. I don't want to see mountains being thrown into the ocean, but I do want to see this community changed. I don't want to see mountains being thrown into the ocean, but I want to see you fall in love with Jesus. I don't want to see mountains thrown into the ocean. I want to see you start reading your Bible every day. I want to see you start paying your tithes and offerings so you can be blessed financially. There is a blessing available to you, and if you are not tapping into it, we've got the same problem that they had then. We have a belief problem. Listen, the faith message has been distorted on television. It's been distorted by people who are trying to get money from little old ladies sitting at home watching television. Name it and claim it. I speak this into existence. 
I call those things that be. If that really worked, come up here and do it right now. Call that plant money. If they believed that it worked, they wouldn't be asking you to send $30 this month. They're just speaking into it. They don't even believe that it works. They wouldn't need your money if they could speak it into it. God speaks things into existence. We live by faith. We, the, this message of name it and claim it, blab it and grab it has been distorted by many churches. But God does want to bless us. God does want to give us increase. God wants to pour out his favor on us, but it comes by faith. Say faith. faith. If you study the scripture, you'll see it was by faith that God used people to do miracles. It was by faith that God saved people. It was by faith that people pleased God. And we need more faith. Way to get more faith? Simple. Romans 10, 17 says faith comes from hearing and hearing the good news about Christ. Faith comes, what King James Version says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. You want to get more faith? Guess what you got to hear more of? God's word. You got to get into the Bible. You want more faith? You want faith to move mountains? You want faith to believe God for the impossible? You want faith to be able to go around and heal the sick and raise the dead? Or if you want faith just to be able to get from Monday to Tuesday, can we be real? See, that's what you really need faith for. You need faith to be able to get from Tuesday to Wednesday. You need faith to be able to believe God for your light bill and not stay up struggling all week wondering where it's going to come from. Amen? We, we got to get more faith, and getting more faith is simple. We got to get deeper into this book. You're wondering, or you should be wondering. If you're not wondering, then you're not, in, not really doing something right in Christ. But if you're trying to serve God and everything's not working out for you, you ought to be wondering at some point, why ain't this working out? Why isn't, why, why, I hear about these blessings, but I'm still broke. I hear about these blessings, but I'm still struggling. Why isn't it working? We have these stories for our example. Why isn't it working out? Probably because of our unbelief. So we got to get more faith. The way to get more faith is to get deeper in this book. I'm going to get you out of here early today because I came to ask you a simple thing. I want to ask you to start getting into this book more with me. I want you to get on a determined mission that says, I'm going to read more Bible this week than I read last week. We're going to come back tonight and have church tonight, and I'm going to talk to you about some ways that you can get in this book and get this book in you so that God can begin to do miracles in your life and God can bring change in your life. See, people want to, they love to hear, oh, I want God to do miracles in my life. Well, do you want to quit being mean? Because for most folk, that'd be a miracle. You want to quit cussing? You want to quit drinking? You want to quit whoremongering? You want to quit fornicating? You want to quit lying? You want to quit gossiping? See, there's miracle Holy Ghost power right there. People want miracles in their life. We need to get in this book so this book can get in us. Why? Because when you get in this book and this book gets into you, your faith is going to elevate. And when your faith begins to rise, your love for God is going to be easier it's going to be natural see christianity is designed to be an an easy thing going with the flow if you be honest most christians testimony is a feeling of swimming against the current like just trying to go against the grain swimming up 
stream. I, I want you to learn how to swim with the flow. I want you to learn how to get caught up in God and let God carry you. For that to happen, we've got to increase our faith. And the only way to increase your faith is to get in the Bible more. When we first started this church almost 16 years ago, every service was altar ministry. And we're going to get back to doing more altar ministry this year. But every service was altar ministry, pouring oil, stretching people out. People flopping on the floor uh, like fish on a dock and praying. Pa Pastor, pray for me. Uh, I I I'm bound by the spirit of lying. Oh, hallelujah. Anoint you with oil in Jesus' name. Pray. God will break the spirit of lying off. Boom. Flop, flop, flop. Next week, come back. Still want prayer for the spirit of lying. So I finally realized, because I, I believe in the anointing of oil, laying hands on the sick. I believe in transference of spirits. I, I believe in God's power to save, heal, and deliver. But if you got to be prayed for the same thing over and over and over again, something is disconnecting somewhere. So I began to look deeper, and here's what I realized. You know why people stand in lines and want the pastor, the man, the woman of God, to lay hands on them and pray for them so they can stop lying, so they can stop cussing, so they can stop fornicating, so they can stop doing drugs? Because they don't want to put any effort into it themselves. They touch me, preacher, and make me better. That's not God's way. You got to walk your walk. You got a journey to travel. You got to please God for yourself. You got to have faith. For you. You want to increase your faith? I hope you do. The Bible says faith comes from hearing God's word. So we need to hear God's word. I'm going to, I'm going to give you three more verses this morning, and we're going to get out of here. These are three of the most famous revival verses in the world. I, I, I'm not going to call our church into revival or fasting today, but I want you to hear these verses so you can understand how God works. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, God said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and heal their land. I've taught this passage many times, and, 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 and I've, I've talked about the four things that we have to do and the three things that God does in response to that. Let's, let's look at this one verse real quick and we get out of here. God said, if my people, I hope you're one of those my people God is talking about. If, some, if I was to ask you today, do you consider yourself a Christian? I would hope you would say yes. If you don't consider yourself a Christian, I got great news for you. God said, if you call on his name, he'll save you. Then you can be one of my people. You'll be one of God's people. He said, if my people who are called by my name. It's not the whoremongers we got to get straight. Everybody wants to have a march on an abortion clinic. We need to march on your house. People want to march on an abortion clinic because they're, they're, what they're doing is wrong. You claim the name of Jesus and you live in nothing. What you're doing is wrong. See, people don't like that. No. It's not the pornographer that we got to get right with God. It's not the drug dealer that we got to worry about getting right with. These people, you, listen, we got to get them saved so they can get right with God. Stop nagging your lost family members, classmates, loved ones, coworkers. Stop nagging them about their symptoms. We've created a mess in the church, and we're to blame. We got people out there thinking, well, if I could just quit drinking, 
then my life would get better and God would begin to be. You don't need to quit drinking. You need to get saved. Drinking will fall off on its own. You people, we got people thinking, if, if I could just do this, 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 this. Listen, you don't clean the fish before you catch them. You got to catch the fish before you clean them. Let God catch you. Even if you've been saved for a long time, let God catch you all over again. Let God catch you. He's able to clean you up. Stop trying to clean your life up so you can please God. You fall in love with God. Let him catch you. Trust him to clean you up. It'll work out. But the onus is on God's people. We love to point, well, we, we got to get Washington straight. We got to get this new president straight. We got to get the government fixed. Now, listen, we got to get Christians to live like Christians if I come to your house and you have a dog living in your house I already got questions I mean at what point did the world decide having animals live inside was the thing to do I mean at what point did cavemen just really decide hey bring that dinosaur up in here it don't stink bad enough in here already let's go ahead and bring an animal Uh, but that's your house your thing do what you want to do and now if I see your dog walk on all fours across the kitchen and lap water out of a bowl, I'm not going to be shocked by that, right? I mean, that's what dogs do. They walk on four and they lap water out of a bowl. Now, if I see one of your children walk across the kitchen on fours and lap water out of a bowl, I'm going to have some concerns. What am I saying? I don't expect a dog to be anything other than a dog. I don't expect lost people to be anything other than lost people. It don't shock me that lost people do all this lost stuff, but it does burden me that Christians do that stuff. We're not supposed to be walking on all fours, lapping uh, water out of a dog dish. There are certain things that we should be doing, and God has a call on people that claim to be Christian. And there's four things that we need to do. Let's look at it quick. It says, if... My people who are called by my name will. Now, here comes a list. Say list. Here comes a list of things God says, if we will do this. And this was the first time, 36 years ago, where God showed me if and then promises. The Bible is filled with promises. Some are conditional. Some are, most are conditional. Some are unconditional. Some promises just happen with no effort at all. But most promises are conditional. If you will do this then God will do that. And I've been looking for if and then promises for the last 36 years in the Bible. I've been looking for God to say, if you do this, then I'll do that. Why? Because I know if I do the if, God always does the then. If I'll be faithful to the if, God is always faithful to the then. If I do my part, God's part is for sure. But I want everyone in the room to understand we have a part. Well, when's God going to do this for me? When are you going to do this for God? Oh, we don't like that. Let's keep moving. If my people are, will, here's the list, number one thing, humble themselves, comma. Okay, so that's easy to figure out where the first one is. There's a comma right after it. Pay attention to the punctuation. Take it in bite-sized pieces. If my people will do what? Humble themselves. Whoo, that shouldn't be hard. That really shouldn't be hard for Christians to humble themselves. Why shouldn't it? Because if you truly ever got saved, you had to make a realization. I'm not good enough on my own. I can't get get to heaven on me. I need help. 
The fact that you call yourself a Christian at all ought, ought to be some self-imposed process of being humble because God says he chose the lesser things of this world. He didn't choose the people that are all that in a bag of chips. Most people, God said he didn't choose many mighty, many noble, many wise. Now, you know, he had to let a few of y'all in, amen, just to keep us good looking. But he didn't, the, the very fact that you claim Christianity as your religion should, should cause some humbling in your life. You ought to be humble in some capacity because God took the lesser. But most people struggle with this being humble. Most people want to act like they got it together more than they do. Uh, I watch a lot of sports in my family. We love the NBA. It's playoff time. We got the league pass, so we watch basketball all throughout the season. And it's just incredible to me how angry these young men get after dunking a basketball. Okay, I mean, you're 42 feet tall, you dunked a basketball, we get it. Wasn't even difficult, that's easy peasy. That's, but the, the, the braggadocious nature of today's athlete is anything but humble. I, 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 was, I was talking to one of my kids the other day. I, I, I won't call him out to embarrass him, but his name is Jacob. And he, he said that athletes, if they have it, they ought to flaunt it. I said, no. Tim Duncan had it, but he didn't have to flaunt it. Barry Sanders had it, but he said, if you get into the end zone, act like you've been there before and like you plan on going back again. Okay? This, this, this lack of humility is not only annoying to dudes my age, but it's anti-Christian in nature. God said, if we, we Christians, will humble ourselves. You want to get further in Christ? Start with that. Get humble. Stop, stop acting like you got it all together. Get humble. Recognize your need for God. This is why most people don't pray a lot. Because prayer is an act of humility. When you get down on your knees and say, God, I need your help. That's an act of being humble that most people won't do. But the list goes on. It, and, say and. That means there's more. Not just humble themselves and pray. Mm. This, this is incredible. Every time I've been watching these stats and the numbers have changed almost not at all in four decades. I've been watching these stats since the 80s. And it, it's incredible. They ask pastors on anonymous survey, how many minutes do you pray a day? The senior pastors of churches in America. How many minutes do you pray a day? And decade over decade, year by year, the same answer has been coming out every year since I started reading these surveys in 1981. How many minutes does the average pastor pray a day? Two. Two minutes. Two minutes, and I'm thinking, well, that's raggedy. Amen? That ain't no good praying. You can spend two minutes praying over your meal. But, uh, and it's always hit me like, man, you're pastoring a church. You're drawing money. You're getting a paid salary off the tithes of the church, and you only pray two minutes a day. If you're that carnal, why not just lie and say 300? I mean, you got no power of God on your life praying two minutes a day anyway. But if the pastors are only praying two minutes a day, the pew is doing less than that. What am I telling you? Christians don't pray. If you had to right now put a time clock on your prayer life, 
every day. Break it. Now, I ain't talking about that one good day you prayed last month. I'm talking about day by day, week over week, over the last 30 days. If you had to put a stopwatch on your prayer, uh, would you be excited about that? You want to broadcast that? We, we bring your prayer stopwatch time up next week and let everybody see. Listen, there is a lack of prayer in the Christian church. I can remember when I was in Bible college, I was throwing a paper route. I had to learn the paper route from the former uh, paper carrier of the route. So the guy that was teaching me, he was leaving the route, and he was a Muslim. And he was throwing, well, he's throwing the paper, showing me where to go, talking me through it. And it's slowing him down a little bit. Supposed to be done by 6 o'clock in the morning. We were running a little bit late. 6 o'clock came. We got to hurry up and get finished. Not this dude. My man pulled off the side of the road, opened his trunk, threw a blanket down on the ground, and put his face on the ground and prayed. 30 minutes. Left me sitting in his car for 30. I'm thinking, these folk want their paper. This man's unsaved. Jesus said that he's the only way to heaven. Nobody else can get to God. Jesus said nobody else can come to the Father except through him. So this man ain't ain't, ain't a Christian. This man's not going to heaven when he dies. He's not part of God's future plan. But he is committed enough to his religious concept to get on his knees and pray. Three times every day. And I asked him. he, He said that he typically prays anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour three times a day. And I'm thinking, wow. I don't know too many Christians that that pray like that. And God says, if we would pray, something would happen. Why would God have to say, if Christians would pray? Because most don't. Not for any length of time. Not for any level of seriousness. We complain about stuff. We go on social media and spend nine hours on the threads asking other people to pray. Pray Having some hospital tests. Need y'all to be praying. When when we had a... uh, our, our every night Tuesday men's ministry, we used to do a lot of prayer requests in our men's ministry. But I, and I used to tell the guys all the time, don't come in here and ask us to pray for something that you ain't praying for. That's just lazy. Don't ask me to pray for something you're not praying for. But I see all this prayer requests going on, all this mention of, you know, need prayers and, and people hit back praying, praying, praying. And I'm thinking, I sure hope they are. Because I know the reality. Most people don't pray. And, and listen, let me get this out because y'all know I got a rant. So every now and then, I saw <laughs> somebody ask for prayers because someone they loved was dying in a hospital. And this one dude types in, sending soothing energy your way. I'm like, what's the delivery mechanism for that? Well, who, 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 how are you getting soothing energy to somebody? Listen, lost people, you can't do, and here's the reality. Lost people are trying to do what Christians can do. We can call on a higher source and get something moving outside of ourselves. They can't send positive, sending positive vibe your way. You can't send no positive vibe. What, what you, sending it through the telephone line? What, what, what you send? If you don't believe in God and his son, Jesus Christ, you're not sending anything. Okay, but I see a lot of people talking about praying on the Internet. I sure hope that there's some Christians somewhere praying because God says, if you humble yourself, if you pray, and there's more, and seek my face. Seek my face. That, that M has a capital, that word has a capital M, seek God's face. 
You know, we seek a lot of things during the course of the week. TV, a good sale, a good movie, good meal. We, we seek time with friends. We, we, we seek to please our boss so we get our check. We seek a lot of different things during the course of the week. But how much time do you spend seeking God? Jesus said in Matthew 6, that if you put God first, everything else will work out. We're trying to work everything else out and leaving God out of the equation. That's not the platform, y'all. You got to put God first. Seek God. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek God's face. And it means there's more. But good news is the last one. Turn from their wicked ways. Now, God said if, if whose people? If my people. God said if Christians will turn. Why would God have to tell Christians that if they turn from their wicked ways? Because they got wicked ways. You mean Christians do sin? Absolutely. But here's the difference. They don't do it and be happy about it. They don't do it and feel okay about it. They do it and feel convicted about it. They do it and know that it's wrong. They do it and they get better. Listen, I've, I've said it for years since we started. I want every drug addict, every hooker, and every whore in the city to come to our church. I want, I want them to come. I want lost people, crazy people, homeless people, out their head people to come to our church. But don't stay that way. The, the old song said, just as I am, I come. Absolutely, there's the only way you can come. But don't stay that way. If you've been coming to church for years and you're still struggling with the same stuff you were struggling with when you came, you're missing something. You're not growing in your faith. You're not being all that God called you to be. He said you got to get humble. you got to pray. you got to seek his face. And you got to turn from your wicked ways. First thing you got to do is you got to admit the stuff you're doing is wicked. You know what the average person does that's doing, that's doing dirt? Justifying it. Well, it's not as bad as what so-and-so does. Well, it's not as bad as I used to do. Well, it's not as bad as what I could do. Listen, dirt is dirt. Stop doing dirt. Stop, stop living bad. Stop being unholy and calling yourself a Christian. Do better. Do, do better. Ask God to help you to be humble. Ask God to help you pray more. Ask God to help you seek his face more. And, but you got to turn. For, you got to make a decision that says, I am going to stop doing some of this stuff that I know I need to stop doing. And then the next word says, then. Say then. I love then because God said, if you do this, then I will do that. God said, there's four things we got to do. And then he shows three things that he will do based on our willingness to do what we do first. Then, I, I've, been, I've been setting y'all up with this forever. Let's see if y'all can do it on command. When is then? Then is always after. Then is always after. God said then. After. After what? After Christians humble themselves. After Christians pray. After Christians seek God's face. After Christians turn away from their wicked ways. Then God said he would hear from heaven. One of the reasons most people don't have an active prayer life is because they're not convinced God hears them. Listen, I prayed prayers where, where, I, where I felt like I wasn't sure if God heard me. I prayed prayers where I just felt an awareness that God's right here with me, hearing me. It's awesome to pray and know God hears you. It's awesome. Most people don't get that assurance. Why? Because they didn't do the if to get to the then. God's promise is if you do those four things that he said to do, that when you pray, he will hear you. 
Not only that, he goes on to say, I'll hear from heaven and, there's more, I'll forgive their sin. The Bible says, blessed is the person whose sin is forgiven. There's nothing like feeling clean in the presence of God. This is why new Christians are so happy to be saved. This is why people are so filled with joy when they first, I can remember July 15th, 1981, when I first got saved, I felt like the weight of the world had been taken off me. Why? Because for the first time in my life, I was clean before a holy God. For the first time in my life, I was clean and I was pure. God took my sin away from me. I hear people say all the time, Pastor, I just wish I could get back to where I was when I first got saved. Well, the problem is you let life start piling on you. You started picking up back sin again. You started going back and doing stuff that God delivered you from doing, that God didn't intend you to do. He said that if we will do these things, that he will hear us, he will forgive us, and he will thirdly heal our land. Now, the land is the place you live, all right? We're not big landowners anymore in America. See, there was a time in America where the, the government said, whatever you can fence off, you can claim. And homestead, the Homestead Act, whatever you fence off, listen, Ben Cartwright knew what to do. He fenced off the whole Ponderosa. Look, small thinking folk are like, man, I just get this one-third of an acre over here. I feel good with that. Man, when they, it was just claim it and it's yours, just stake it off and it's yours, man, I'd have staked off all of Florida. I've been like mine. I'd have put a, well, I'd at least just drew a, you know, a, a fence line from, from Folkestone, Georgia, straight across to the Gulf and be like, everything south of that is mine. I put one fence straight across. Listen, God said he will heal your land. The land is the place you live. We're not big landowners in 2017, but we do still live. God wants to heal the place you live. God wants to heal. You live inside your head. Some of y'all live in your head too much. But you live in your head. God wants to bring healing to that. You live in your home. God wants to bring healing to that. You live in conjunction with other people. God wants to bring healing to that. We're talking about getting healthy in five different areas, physically, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, and financially in 2017. We need God to bring healing in all these different areas because these are the places where we live. But God is not going to do what he's saying until we do what he's commanded. He said, if you do this, then I will do that. Too many people sitting around wondering when their ship's going to come in, when their miracle's going to happen, when God's going to give them what they've got coming. God told you how to get it. He said, if you do this, then I'll do that. If I said, if you stand up and clap your hands, I'll give you $100. And don't leave here complaining that he didn't give me $100 if you didn't stand up and clap your hands. I ain't giving you $100. Don't try. I mean, yeah, people are like, should I do it now? <laughs> we got to do the if. If you do the if, God will always do the then. They couldn't get this little boy healed. And they asked Jesus why. He said, because of your unbelief. He said, you, you didn't believe right. We got to believe God more. If we believed God more, we would see better things happen in our life. But if we believed God more, we'd also spend more time serving him. 
If we believed God more, we'd also spend more time telling our unsaved friends that they need to repent and find Jesus. If we believed God more, we would be giving more and serving more. We'd live right, give right, do right, act right, be right, serve right. The problem with the church in 2017 is unbelief. It's not a new problem. It goes all the way back to this former time. We've got to start believing that God is serious. God always tells the truth. God said, if you'll do these four things, and I want us to start doing this as a church, let's be more humble than we've been. Let's pray more than we pray. Let's seek God more than we sought God. And let's turn away from our sin at a higher level. Why? Because if we'll do those things, God said he's going to bring a healing to where you live. He's going to bring healing to you in the very place that you live. And then you're going to not worry about what they're doing up the street in Washington or around your way. If you let God heal your situation, if you let God bring healing to you, if you have God listening to you when you talk to him, if you know that your sins are forgiven and you're clean before God, life's going to take on a whole different meaning for you. The problem is we don't want to believe it. So here's my question to you, and I'm done. Do you believe in God? If you do believe in God, you need to start doing what he said. Lots of churches doing that Joel Osteen thing. I don't even know who started it. I mean, there's a lot of them doing it. I visit churches, and I see it hold up their Bible and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Uh, I, I can do what he says I can do. Ain't none of that true. Uh, you got carnal people holding Bibles in there talking about I am what it says. I, well, you're carnal. I mean, if that's, if that's what you're saying, but that's not what they're thinking. Listen, that's only true. You only have what God says you can have if you do what God tells you to do. The Father wants to bless you. Jesus said it's the Father's pleasure to give you the kingdom. Jesus said if we being natural people know how to give good things to our children, how much more will our Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? You wonder why God's not flooding you with good things? Because a good father don't give to raggedy living children. only thing a good father gives to raggedy living children is discipline chastisement and rebuke if we'll do what he said we can have what he promised I want you to find joy in your Christianity before you die I want you to find peace with God before you die Jesus said I came so you can have life and life more abundantly not just eternal life that's in the sweet by and by God wants you to enjoy the nasty now and now. He wants to give you strength for your journey and grace for your race. But we've got to do some things. I want to encourage you to come back tonight. We're going to talk about how to do some things. We've got to learn how to be more humble. That shouldn't be hard. People walking around acting like they're all that in a bag of chips. People walking around like they got it all together. Talk to them. They know they don't. Get them to be honest. They got as many insecurities as you do. They got as many doubts and as many fears as you do. Faking the funk. Trying to fake it till they make it. 
ain't what God called us to do. God called us to humble ourselves, to walk humbly with your God. Come back tonight. We're going to talk about how we can pray more, how we, how we can tangibly seek God face more and what, turn away from our sins because I believe that if we do what God tells us to do, then he'll do what he promised to do. Even beyond where you live, our land, Jacksonville, Orange Park, Florida, the United States, all that needs healing. The west side needs healing. Friday night, early Saturday morning, 3.08 in the morning, somebody opened the door on the, on the church. Alarm goes off. I had to come up here at 3.30 in the morning, see who was breaking into the church. This side of town used to be the place people wanted to live on. Am I right, Miss Irene? Ms. Irene owned one of these houses and knew when it was the place for movers and shakers. This neighborhood was the place for people to come to that, that had something and, and were upwardly mobile. This, this was the, the spot to be in. There was a time people still saying it today. It ain't true today. The west side is not the best side unless you're a criminal. Unless you're looking to get good weed. I mean, the, the west side is the best side if you're looking for ease of access to dope dealers and hookers on 103rd Street. Our community needs healing. Jacksonville hadn't always been like this. It's getting worse and worse and worse. What type of city are we leaving our children and our grandchildren? Christians need to pray. Christians need to do better. It just can't, we just can't keep doing. Here's what happened. Jacksonville, north side, used to be the spot to be. Then... White flight happened. Everybody moved out of, uh, off the north side. Everybody came over to the west side. Then west side got run down. Everybody moved out to Orange Park. Now Orange Park is run down. Everybody moving out to St. John's County. Where are they going to go when St. John County gets run down? People left Jacksonville to go to Clay County because the schools were better. Well, now that all the schools ain't A-rated in Clay County anymore, they're going to A-rated schools in St. John's County. We just can't keep running from worse to worse to worse. We need to put our feet down and say, we'll make a stand right here. We'll build a better life right here. We'll invest in our community right here. But we got to do some stuff. We got to get on with it. It's time to get better. It's time for our city to get better. But it starts with God's people. If you call yourself one of God's people, you have a responsibility to God's earth to do what he called us to do. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you would strengthen us to turn from our wicked ways, God. Strengthen us, Lord, to do the things that you've called us to do. Empower us, God, to love you, to follow you, to, to be people of prayer, to be humble, to be God-seekers. Father, I pray for every person in this room this morning, Lord. Father, for those who came in who are unsaved, I pray that you'd save them by your grace. God, for each person in this room who is saved, we are your people, and we need your help. We need you, God, to empower us to do what you've called us to do. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in us. 
Draw us closer to you, God. Give us a desire to be and do all that you've called us to be and to do. Heal our land is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.